Good evening. You are listening to Through the Head, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney, joined once again by our friend, critic, writer, and YouTuber, Cam Kunzelman. Oh, I'm a YouTuber. Yeah, I'm afraid so. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, I hate to break it to you, but once you started scheduling uh, tweets to be automatically posted to your Twitter, it was you, you were a YouTuber, my friend. Oh, oh, no. Gosh. And then, of course, then there were those awkward apology videos, uh, which we won't get into. <laughs> yeah. uh, of anyways, course. Today, we also welcome back PC Gamers, Evan Lottie. Hey there, Greg. Glad to be with you, Rob. Uh, so today we're going to be discussing Gears Tactics. Now you might be thinking, do you mean Gears of War Tactics? No, I do not. Uh, it's no longer Gears of War. The franchise is just Gears. I learned this after I got a headline uh, wrong when we reviewed Gear- Gears 5, uh, which I titled the review Gears of War 5. Uh, but no, it's just Gears now. Uh, Gears Tactics uh, is a tactics game set in the gears universe uh evan what does that what does that mean like what were expectations for what a tactics game in the gears land gears land might be and what's the reality i think we were all puzzled when this game was announced in i believe e3 2018 because you know gears of war and i'm sure we'll dig into this in our conversation obviously has these huge kind of macho sensibilities you know all the characters looked like football linebackers in their character design and and obviously we think of tactics game as, as sort of being in opposition to that thematically and in some ways mechanically but you know certainly our response to it in, in our review and our other coverage on pc gamer has just been one of surprise and delight you know we think it's an interesting transference of you know this brand into a different genre and it represents success in, what, in that way. But compared to other games in the genre, like XCOM, of course, that's that's the closest point of comparison. So, you know, it is a turn-based tactics game with, although it doesn't have a grid, it sort of behaves similarly. It has an action point system where moving and shooting is interchangeable. It's kind of one action point per increment of move. And, and the basic kind of bones of XCOM-style gameplay, Overwatch uh, for kind of defensive shooting the way cover and half cover works, the way flanking operates, the scale of the maps, elevation, you know, these kind of rule sets are all basically intact with some variations. And you're, con- you're controlling only actually four or less characters in some cases uh, throughout these missions. I think one of the important distinctions between Gears Tactics and XCOM is, of course, that this is a much more linear experience. There is indeed no strategic gameplay layer. There, you know, there's no world map. There's no sandbox in that sense. There are sort of phases where you enter, uh, really the game distinguishes between story missions and and literal side missions. But the side missions are like complete three, two or three side missions before moving on to the next story mission. So it's still pretty linear. You are having a choice between maybe four or five side missions that you want to pursue. But, you know, in in that sense, it, it is a like 30 or so hour game, although it does give you the opportunity to kind of play side missions indefinitely after you complete the campaign itself uh cam i think you and i were talking about this earlier this week you were describing a really conflicted reaction you were having to it that you kept trying to figure out if you really liked this game or really disliked it uh have you come any closer to some kind of emotional resolution with this game (laughs) uh let's let's begin with the idea of emotional resolution (laughs) no uh you know let's just really dig into that for an hour um no, I haven't. Um, and and I, uh, you know, you and I were talking about the other day, um, you know, I was like, do I need to finish this game? It's like it important that I see the end credits on this game. Um, 
because uh, on one hand, I, I think I'm in an interesting spot just to, to, to back it up past the question uh, for, for two seconds. I'm in an interesting spot because I just maybe a month, a month and a half ago, played through all of uh, the first XCOM again. And then at the same time, I was playing through all of the Gears of War or the original trilogy of Gears of War. So I'm like in this really weird spot where I have got a lot of like context material for this game. Um, and so on one, so that's all to say, I think it is really great, um, at capturing the vibe of what Gears is, like as a universe, as a set of assumptions about like how people are supposed to interact with a game or a franchise, things like that. I think it's good at that. I don't know if I think that makes for a good tactics game in that I feel like the majority of my time in this game is spent doing, I think maybe maybe a, 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 a metaphor is useful here. You know when you're like playing a sliding, uh, like a sliding puzzle game in another video game, right? Mm -hmm. So you like, you, you're doing it. And there's a point where you see what the solution is, and then you just have to manually move all those things around. But in your head, you know exactly how you need to do it. That's how I feel about tactics, Gears Tactics, 90% of the time. Um, I understand how this, this is happening. There's very little surprise in how I'm going to finish this encounter or this like small little bit of, of gunplay. Uh, and yet, I'm going to have to just kind of like patiently move my units around to do it with very little surprises to then get to the next part, which might introduce something, something um, new or interesting. I think, Evan, when you're saying that it's linear uh, or, or more of a linear experience, I experienced that in the lack of the, the kind of strategic layer from XCOM, but I also experience it in just the encounter design. Um, mm. Some missions, especially in the side missions, have what feels like a lot of of play space or a lot of variability in what they offer you but for the most part the story missions don't they they are pretty set in stone of like how the thing moves um and i thought that that was mostly just kind of drudge work a little bit um i didn't feel the moment to moment being all of that interesting it felt a lot like i was just going through the motions of like a crossword that i've already solved right i, I think the way this game expresses the power of individual characters and and sort of the the fragility you know and the sense of loss that we associate with XCOM you know to some extent mm -hmm. the stories that we crack in XCOM of course are just about like the characters that we lose and how they're lost and their sacrifice in the battle and, and whatnot uh Gears Tactics doesn't really provide opportunities for that so you know, from a basic rules perspective, there is an Iron Man mode, so you can play it in Iron Man, and there's four different difficulties separate from that. I played on the experience difficulty, which I think is third of four, uh, but I didn't play with Iron Man on because I discovered that when Iron Man's enabled, if any of the so-called hero characters mm -hmm. in the game, so these are these are the scripted, you know, they, they appear in very gorgeous cutscenes throughout the game, they have voice actors, um, but if they die... It, when Iron Man's enabled, your campaign instantly ends. Your save file is deleted. And there are four of these characters eventually that you get throughout the game. So that's like a really interesting wrinkle that obviously makes the game more... You actually find yourselves playing less heroically with these hero characters, right? Because uh, your, your game could come to an end. But all the other sort of disposable gears, um, you know, generated characters that the game hands you, they 
they can dive freely. And actually, you get so many of them. We can talk more about this. And, and you're like, I'm curious what relationship you guys had to these characters over the over the campaign. You get so many of them that they were like deliberately disposable. I think by the game's design. Mm. So I think all this kind of adds up to, at least if you're playing with Iron Man off. There's there's a lot more room for error, I think, at the tactics level compared to XCOM. Um, just as one precise example of this, there's an ability you get for the support class. I think there are five classes in the game mm-hmm. um, where the support class can give an AP, can donate an AP, an action point, to any other teammate on the battlefield. This provides like incredible flexibility, right? If, if I have somebody who needs to get into cover, needs to take that extra shot that they missed, needs to reload... I can just donate that to them. You know, I lose one of my own AP in the process, but it's immensely valuable. Similarly for the um, the scout character, which is like the shotgunner, she has an ability that she can trigger on a cooldown that just gives her three free AP on a turn to sort of power themselves up. So yeah, it's just, it's just a way of saying that like, the, the capacity and flexibility, I, I think, that I've, I felt throughout the game was much greater than I felt through any XCOM campaign I, I played. I never, I rarely felt sort of painted in a, in a corner and like under really desperate circumstances uh, in terms of my characters. Yeah. I, um, in my review, I sort of opened on the analogy to, um, so what Gears is ultimately about is, pretty standard like firing movement tactics right uh that you know that is what you are doing as you bounce from cover to cover is you are just like trying to keep the enemy in a shooting gallery while not getting exposed uh to to someone else's and what this actually reminds me of what 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 gears reminds me of is sort of the action game version of um an old squad game uh full spectrum warrior and I think the probably my favorite iteration on that kind of cover shooter was probably Gearbox's uh, Brothers in Arms series, which was explicitly kind of a squad management uh, war game, but from a first person perspective. And it was all very simple tactics, right? It was all literally just move your support gunners here, tell them to shoot at the Germans in this position. The Germans will be suppressed. You move around, you flank them, you kill them. Uh, And, that is sort of a that naturally lends itself to a tactics game, but not necessarily a very interesting one at times. I think this was my problem with Full Spectrum Warrior uh, when that came out. Was I can't remember the specifics, but I want to say that was a game that had even been sort of touted as uh, something designed for the U.S. Army to be a, a tactics sim or something like that for uh, for young fire team leaders, and it, it transparently wasn't really that. Uh, it, it was a pretty stripped down interpretation of what uh you know infantry combat would look like but this all came to mind while i was playing gears tactics because it seemed like a it, it seemed like a good tactics game implementation of some of these really foundational elements to uh to what went into gears design uh the whole notion of it is all about keeping a couple of your people in safe positions and having a couple badasses stride out there and get into a new position where they can sort of unravel uh the enemy's position there's classes that are specifically set up to do that uh but i do think what is sometimes lacking is a way for 
Gears tactics to derail that game plan in interesting ways. And some and like I'll, I'll give you my example of like an enemy class type that is clearly supposed to have some sort of deterrent effect. That is clearly supposed to prevent me from having the freedom to just kind of uh, find that corner of the enemy's defenses and start like picking away at it. Uh, the sniper, the 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 enemy sniper, uh, has an ability uh, called pin, which you know if you're, it, it's exactly what it sounds like. Like they draw a bead on a target. If your guy doesn't move, then they're fine. But the second they move, uh, it's basically like a guaranteed hit. I think with is it a guaranteed crit, Evan, or is it just a higher crit chance? I think it's higher crit chance. It also by being pinned, they have like a fifty percent movement penalty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so these are a couple things that, like, the, the enemy sniper is supposed to exist not necessarily as the sharpshooter threat that you have, right? Like your snipers are these god tier badasses who yeah. are just like <laughs> popping headshots, uh, you know, <laughs> like, like like it's a machine gun, right? It's just like people are blowing up right and left when your sniper is operating. The locust sniper exists to prevent you from moving and to sort of keep you in cover until uh, someone can go do something with that sniper. And I could see the intent there, but there's, there tends to be so much real estate on these gears maps and so many ways to both close the distance with an enemy target, but also just to kind of ignore a sniper's field of fire that most of the time the sniper didn't exist as an active like threat that I had to worry about in gears tactics it existed as a momentary a momentary problem for one character in my roster that I would have to solve. And once I solved that, uh, the rest of the turn could unfold however I wished. But the thing it didn't exert was any kind of uh, map pressure. There, like, it, like it frequently in Gears Tactics, the thing that is missing for me uh, is the sense that the flexibility that I'm taking advantage of is in some way being denied me. Uh, now, as you turn, the interesting thing is, as you turn up the difficulty, this does change. The thing that seems to happen a hell of a lot more, uh, like on Insane, for instance, is the enemy will set up these massive Overwatch traps uh, for you. But like on lower difficulty levels, maybe it's just because there are fewer enemies or maybe they're just less aggressive with this. You will not see them denying as much of the map to you. Uh, and so you can kind of use your characters, just kind of cruise around and set up the next place to start delivering an ass kicking. And I think that is one of the weird things about Gears is I think on its sort of default, on its like basic default setting, uh, it shows itself to be a less interesting tactics game than it is, uh, but also one with completely different dynamics than exist on higher difficulty levels. Um, it, 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 it does not seem like, ah, the same challenge of Gears, but more so. It becomes a very different game as you crank up the difficulty. Uh, yeah. But it does have a Goldilocks problem. One other example of that is, I believe there's self-revive available on yes. the two lower difficulties, and there is not, like, characters who are downed, incapacitated, like a bleed-out state, can revive themselves, which is not true on the third and fourth difficulty level. Yeah, and you, like there's an incentive. It's it's an ability second wind. Uh, a character stands up and they have one action point. 
it's better to revive them with a buddy because then they get their full uh, they get their full three action points per turn. So it's much better if somebody is standing nearby uh, for them to uh, you know give them the give them the hand up. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's very forgiving in that way, and your your characters will be downed a lot more on the lower difficulty levels, whereas on the higher ones, uh, you'll see a lot more insta kills. Um, a character won't even get the chance to be revived; they will just sort of uh, eat it right away um, when you know when a shot crits or something. So it it's it also has kind of a weird. Uh, I don't know, an identity that's divided itself against itself a little bit in terms of difficulty just because so many dynamics that you would consider like pretty fundamental to like how the game works are actually up for negotiation depending on what setting you're playing on, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if I like it, though. I, I tend to like the idea of lower difficulty levels training you for the next level. Um, and here it just felt like, oh, it's just a kind of different game with kind of different rules. I don't know if I love it. Well, to me, that feels like a kind of a byproduct of, of what the game is, which to me doesn't feel like um, a tactics game that has Gears of War stapled onto it. It feels the opposite, right? It's a Gears of War game that is morphed yeah. into a tactics mode. And so the the core assumptions can't be, I, I don't think, right? Just, just from a design perspective, I don't think the, the core assumptions can be here is a substrate of tactics and then, you know, level one, level two, level three of, of complicatedness or uh, more complex interaction. The substrate has to be what, you know, design pillar style, what makes it a Gears of War game. And that's actually some of the things that I found, you know, most what made it feel like it had a lot of drudgery to me. So, for example, the action economy, not not just the... Um, like turn by turn in, in the sense of having action points, but the action economy across a mission um, in XCOM, right? You have some abilities you just get to use one time, right? You get, you get to use those abilities a single time during a mission. Uh, you have X number of grenades, for example, and that's just what you've got to work with. And so that puts you in situations where you really have to make strong choices about is this tactically optimal or do I expect to run into to new groups of enemies that are going to push on my resources in such a way that I need to save these abilities or whatever? Um, everything is on a timer in Gears Tactics, which means that they can constantly pump enemies into the battlefield and you'll be able to respond to them eventually, right? So like your grenades are going to be on the timer, um, all those special abilities. And there's a lot of abilities that reduce the cooldown timers on all your abilities too, right? And so that all creates a system um, that is, to me, feels like it's just emulating what's happening in the, the kind of Gears games. And, you know, I played all of the Gears games and I reviewed Gears 5. Um, and in those games, right, the, the whole pitch is that there's an objective in front of you 90% of the time. There's an objective right in front of you. You are going to have to push into that uh, objective or enemies are going to continue spawning. Um, and you're going to have to deal with it unless it's a defense mission. That's a kind of a different kind of thing. But uh, so so I think there's this kind of thing of there's a horde of enemies. They are going to pour into the battlefield constantly. And unless you are actively pursuing the objective in front of you, then you're going to get overwhelmed. But but it, it has to produce it has to produce conditions under which you can actually get out from under. Um, and so that this the whole timer economy system for me just felt like 
I can churn water. I always have the tools in front of me to churn water for a turn or two in order to get out from under whatever assault that I'm undergoing and then get to the gate or whatever the hell it is that the, the thing is asking me for. And so, you know, I never felt the, the pressure of other tactics games of finitude. There seemed to be underneath everything a kind of infinite font of capability as far as what I'm going to be able to do over the next turn and a half or two turns. Um, and that just didn't, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm too much of a depressive gamer to enjoy that <laughs> that kind of uh, you know mechanical design. I think certainly coming in, I was hoping to experience a greater sense of loss along the lines of XCOM and, and mm-hmm. Risk. Um, as a result, I never really felt personally invested in the characters that I'd even spent time you know customizing their armor colorings and, and you know what glasses they were wearing and stuff like that. Um, this is just a game with much more room for error, as you're saying. You know, grenades. You know, we can talk about those. They're so powerful. Um, <laughs> yes. the, the the range. You know, the enemies arrange themselves. You know, often. I think I forget what these enemies are called. The sort of um, clusters of, of of small enemies that dive into melee. Um, but you can kill sometimes four or five of them if you're lucky with a single grenade, um, because they tend to attack in these packs. Um, I mean, I guess like the upside of all this design that we're talking about, which, you know, certainly is is in opposition to what we expect in this style of game and kind of the heritage of XCOM, but there is an immense feeling of empowerment. And it, that is along the lines of the power fantasy that we get in the traditional Gears games, right? So it's 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 loyal to itself in that way. But certainly the greatest example of this are the execution moves, you know, so downed enemies can enter a down state if you sort of don't overkill them they can they can enter this down state in for a couple of turns and at that point they basically become power-ups so you you press a specific button on your hot bar that says execute you run up to them and you instantly have 100 percent chance of finishing them off but in the process you reward all of your other squad mates with one free ap so that's a huge you know tactical lift and, and like probably you know the the peak moment of of success that you can achieve in gears tactics is pulling off multiple executions in a turn and then ending up with like five or six ap per character and you can just have these absurd destructive turns where you're clearing the board chainsawing chainsawing everybody down right and that feels great you know it, like but as you're saying cam and as you're saying rob very much it feels great like an action game it feels great because you're dismembering these enemies and just clearing them in in one hit you know um it's not there's not a sense of like cost benefit made here it's purely you know this payoff moment and then it's a little bit like the game realizes that can get out of hand and then it nerfs that and substantially takes it away from you for the rest of the game uh the they introduce a class of enemy that when executed explodes into poison gas mm-hmm. and that begins to comprise a su- surprisingly high number of the enemies you meet so you go from a battlefield kind of littered with these um with these power ups to one where they've substantially disappeared uh with, with the exception of some class enemies where the sort of uh you know time bomb uh aspect of the of the character just doesn't exist like i don't think there's grenadier equivalent of that the grenadier is always just kind of a big burly uh bag of hit points that you can gruesomely execute later um 
but yeah, I think it it, it struggles a little bit with the uh, the empowerment it wants to grant you, but then also the ways in which that might upset the balance of the game and cause it to run out of control. Uh, and it can it can run pretty substantially out of control, especially because so many of these characters have abilities that give them extra actions or can give other actions to characters uh, or vice versa. Uh, like, like the support class has an ability that you can basically tag another member of the squad and be like, for every kill you get, it becomes like a Ponzi scheme or, uh, you know, like a, you know, was it knife co or what a cut co uh, type scheme where, where it's like for every, for every enemy you kill, I'll get an action point. Um, and <laughs> that can, and you begin to leverage all these things and it can be really fun to see it all come together. Uh, at the end of the first act, there's this, before you get to the first act boss, there's this mission where you basically have to cross this enormous uh, dam. You have to go across the top of this dam. Uh, it is a really long, like, linear level. I think I cleared it in, like, three turns, and most of my motion over that was over the course of one turn uh, because Michaela, my sniper, like, had an ability that if she downs an enemy, uh, she would uh, get, uh, she would, like, get an extra action from... Uh, I think if she downed an enemy, she would like automatically reload. Uh, so that gave her a free reload. Uh, she had an ability that if she just hit an enemy with a shot, she would get an extra action. Uh, my squad leader, Gabe, had an ability to give her two extra actions. He also had an ability to get actions for every enemy she killed. And so I was able to sort of like chain these things together so that she downed like with her five shots, she downed like five enemies. That was five executions. And so the entire team just got rolling in this way that was kind of unstoppable. It was cool to see, uh, but also did kind of point out that, you know, this is the locust in those moments when you have a really overpowered squad like that and the game sort of tees them up for you like that. Um, it does. It, it is kind of that action game level where, like, clearly the objective here is not to create a meaningful challenge. The objective here is to crank up the music and let you just go ham on these guys. And I think Gears Tactics, like I don't hold it against Gears Tactics that that exists in this game. I think it's actually very cool that it does. But I think it does exist in tension with, and sometimes has, has difficulty living in peace with, uh, the notion that this is a demanding, intense tactics game. Rob and Cam, what do you guys make of the argument then that, you know, this this level of empowerment and flexibility and, you know, you're, you're talking about your sniper, it's ridiculous. You, you didn't mention the ability where if I kill an enemy with this ultimate shot, I think it's called, I refund all of my action points. <laughs> uh, that's pretty powerful too. But what what it, what it does allow Gears Tactics to do, I think, is populate the board with more enemies Yeah. compared com, compare to the scale of a game like XCOM. So, right, I mean, what's your experience? I feel like the most enemies I'm seeing at a time are probably 12, yeah. um, you know, 10 to 12 or something like that. And, and kind of at the, at the lower end, it would be probably four or five po powerful enemies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I had the, the side mission early on 
uh, where you, it, uh, there are two different supply points and you need to go stand on both of them and hold them. Yeah. I think it's actually one of the first side missions you get. Um, that, that is one where I realized like, oh, the game, the game's bag of tricks goes about as deep as, well, I guess throw more enemies at it. Um, right. So I'm just standing there mowing these enemies down for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes across this mission and just more keep dropping in, uh, because I'm doing it one by one. And so like on, on one hand I was thinking like, Oh, this is like, it's when it really kind of clicked for me. I was like, Oh, this is gears of war. Like, this is a straight up gears of war thing. And then uh, immediately after that, I thought like that, uh, this is also the problem in gears of war though, is like that those games are not interesting when they just dump more enemies on you like that's not right what is cool about those games right and so it's actually interesting you know that's when I, I during that mission i was like oh wait there's no active reload in this game uh you know or any kind of equivalent the, the sniper has an ability for, you know where she gets a damage boost or they get damage boosts um but you know it, it was in the moment of it being kind of a gears of war huge number of enemies where i was like oh all of the things that make these encounters tense in gears of war or like the tools that i'm given to deal with these in gears of war they're not really here um and so now i just gotta hope that like you know that i don't have to jump around cover to go and bayonet someone or whatever right like uh it, it was in the moment of when it was trying to replicate the kind of battlefield conditions of gears of war where i most felt like oh this is not touching what is interesting about this franchise in general i like that you bring up that control side mission i think it's called control mm -hmm. so it, it is these two you know modestly sized um separated control points that you have to sit on and keep enemies off of in order to sort of redeem a resource off of each one and once you reach i think probably 10 or 12 of those resource points the mission instantly ends you know so so initially i was really enjoying those missions because i had to think about composition a little bit more so say i brought you know two support characters which can heal but use kind of the standard lancer assault rifle a sniper and a heavy well then i had to think about well does my sniper and heavy work better together on a single control point? You know what I mean? Or am I losing versi versatility by placing them on like the east side of the map, right? Do I put a support on each side to sort of spread those abilities out or something? But as you're saying, Cam, right, humans are really good at pattern, pattern recognition. <laughs> so, we, you know, we know that like, okay, when I clear a board, I'm going to see enemies like one turn later or two turns later. And well, this is about the maximum amount of enemies or like these are the compositions of enemies that Gears Tactics will throw at me. I'm never going to see something I haven't seen before. And I think once you reach that point, say 12 or 15 hours in, it's, it's going to depend on the person. Yeah, like the, the difficulty even takes a further step back. And, you know, we, we should talk about the boss battles. I'm curious what your guys' experience was there that was a moment that kind of pushed me out of outside my comfort zone because they are bespokely designed encounters but it you know obviously as with any systems driven game pattern recognition is a huge obstacle i think you know how do you surprise the player you know at hour 20 and mission 15 or whatever when the, you've sort of thrown all your different tools at them mm -hmm. yeah the um but yeah, I mean, we we can talk about uh, uh, the boss stuff, but, but the, just really, really quickly, uh, the um, question about like pattern recognition, when I realized that I was being punished for killing enemies too quickly, 
Um, Because if you like, you know, three spawn or four spawn or whatever, and you kill them all in one turn, you're going to get uh, another spawn pretty quickly after that, probably a turn like you're saying. But if you only kill three of them and you leave one there and then you like Overwatch kill it the next turn, you're going to get a turn of grace, (laughs) which is. And so like that to me was even more. I was like, all right, well, I guess I'll just kind of slow roll this thing and, uh, you know, be able to get an additional turn or whatever. So yeah, not even a question of difficulty so much there as it was like, yeah, okay, well, great. I guess I just pacing. have to like, yeah, it pacing. Pacing is a great, a great way of putting it. It was like, hmm. I, I myself get know how to like pull off the gas and change the way this encounter is going to work. And like, that is not, that is not, for me, that's not compelling design at all. Yeah, but I think in, from that standpoint, XCOM has that problem as well, right? Like, with the exception of some missions in XCOM or some mission types, like, when I think of XCOM, there's a lot of slowly uncovering the map to, like, find the next pod. The, the One of the tricky things just about the genre seems to be how games in the space handle challenge, right? Because I think if you if you do the thing where you just shit hammer the player with tons of like new ads for instance that could read as cheap right like oh like i like now now you're just overwhelming me you're you're you know the the mission is just going to continue like throwing throwing stuff at me uh i or or do the thing that like you see a lot of times in shooters right where in a cut scene everyone goes through the door into the obviously like baited death arena uh and then you're sort of trapped in that for the next scene Hang on, I got a, I got a dog here. <laughs> so I, I think this is, this is not a unique problem to Gears uh, from from that standpoint. Like I think a lot of games wrestle with this. I suspect that uh, if Gears more aggressively pushed against you, that that might also feel artificial and weird. I, I think it's, I think the difficulty around when and how enemies are added to the situation uh, is sort of a just one endemic to the genre. And I also, but I, but I do think it, it also points to this issue where these, these games tend to be their most intensely like challenging and satisfying to solve when they're just on the knife's edge of slipping out of control. Right. And I think this is where like Chimera Squad is trying to go a little bit, where like you're just thrown into the middle of it, you're thrown into this murder room, and if you don't play your 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 cards right, you're going to be in real trouble. Uh Gears, I think at times can be really satisfying from that standpoint. You talk about it throws a lot of enemies at you, and that's kind of its trick. Early in the game, I think that trick works pretty well. This was, like, I found, uh, like, I think the second mission where you're defending this convoy, your characters don't have that many abilities. You can't just, like, create actions out of thin air the way you can with more advanced characters later. You no longer have as many get-out-of-jail-free abilities uh, sitting in your, you know, in, in your quick bars. And at that point in the game where you know you got ton of tons of grubs basically overrunning your position they're basically being the shock troops for um the uh what are the locust regulars called uh dis uh drones yeah some kind of drone 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're basically being the the shock troops for for the drones coming in behind them and and taking up firing positions. And that was like all really under control until my enemies started like running out of ammo. My my guys start running out of ammo, and like suddenly I don't have a, like I'm not set up to have two people reloading in a turn. You know what I mean? Like I need everybody to be shooting or on maximum Overwatch or something to to deal with the situation in front of me. At that point in the game, that worked really really well. Later in the game, it really does kind of run out of ways for those overwhelming numbers to feel overwhelming. At that, like later in the game, now it is explicitly just an avenue for you to harvest action points. Oh, great! There's there's a million easy enemies on the on on the uh, on the level right now, and that means that I'm going to be able to get like a half a dozen free actions uh, out of these guys. And I think that becomes a real problem for Gears. I think, or like, I think at times it feels appropriately overwhelming, like a Gears game should, uh, where you're being completely like Zerg to death. And then as your characters get scaled up uh, beyond that challenge, I think it does lose something uh, by not being able to, to threaten you in that way as much. Yeah, what I mean, what what I think, because I think you're pointing to a, a core problem in in the game, and we've been talking about the whole time. But the that additional skill points and additional level ups mean that more and more things become trivial, right? And because there's a massive upgrade tree. If people haven't seen it, it's this kind of like four quadrant, you know, with a with a massive super move in each corner, and you can kind of freely choose what you do in there. And this that's actually a place where I think that if Gears Tactics had taken more cues from Gears of War, it would have been better. Because Gears of War, right, doesn't have... Characters don't have extensive upgrade trees. Gears 5 kind of had this robot that gave you some additional abilities. But for the most part, you got grenades. You've got two weapons that, that you're changing back and forth. And abilities and in, in new capabilities in the Gears games are introduced by giving you different weapons, basically. So... Um, you know, if you want to do sniping stuff, uh, you know, sniper shotgun, that kind of thing, uh, for super up close and then super far away, that's a viable thing to do. And it really does change the way that you play the game. Um, but by basically gating us into five different weapons plus sidearms, right. And, and each weapon is, or it's actually four different weapons, right. I mean, two, two classes use the Lancer, um, by, by attaching class to weapon that way in like a move suite to, to a weapon. I think that they, you, since you can't go wide, in Magic the Gathering, right? Wide versus tall. Um, so a, a panoply of options versus uh, depth. Gears Tactics says a good character goes deep, which leads to this problem you're talking about, Rob, of like just constantly being able to have something in your toolkit uh, to, to farm action points or whatever to really solve encounters. I think that if maybe the game had given us you know, three levels deep or three abilities deep across 12 different weapon types, um, then that might have allowed us to stay in that sweet spot. Because I do agree with you that the earlier game does feel more thrilling or interesting or whatever because you have less options. Um, and, and I wonder if doing what Gears, the Gears franchise already does to provide that feeling, I wonder if that might have might have improved it a little bit. Speaking of the class like we talked a lot about the difficulty this game has sort of balancing its classes um 
I did really like the variety of character builds that were in play. Um, again, though, it does feel like a thing that doesn't totally fit the game they've actually made. I think... So, let me back up and approach this point from a slightly different angle. The... The sort of narrative device uh, for the game is that you are a former uh, Gears officer who somewhere in the back, somewhere in the past, shit went bad and has now sort of gone into internal exile in the motor pool. Uh, it's it's very much a, you know, Rambo in the monastery type situation. Uh, One just, more just, job. Yeah, exactly. The game opens with uh, him being sort of dragged back to service to take on uh, a special a special mission. Hilariously, it opens with like getting the dossier on a locust officer, like very uh, Apocalypse Now or something, you know, terminate terminate Ukon's command. And I'm like, how the fuck do they have a dossier on a loc like? Nobody knew these guys existed until like a month ago. He got ago. his like date of date of birth. Yeah, like, like like photos of him coming out of a cafe in, in Paris folder. or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah. Just sort of classic. What, what I do, what I do like is actually narratively they justify this, right? Like it, like it's, it's actually supposed to be discordant when when you see this weird dossier show up. But so you start going on this mission uh, with Sid Redburn, who is just doing an uncanny uh, John Wayne, late career John Wayne. Uh, type impersonation just kind of a gruff boorish asshole uh very uh very ethan in the searchers uh type of type of character right down to the fact that he's kind of a bullying uh abusive shithead and that begins to go wrong when you hook up with a uh group of people who are not affiliated with cog they're just kind of they're kind of wildcat miners if we're being honest uh, they're, they're wildcat oil workers um who've sort of been fighting the Locusts by themselves. Michaela, the sniper, is sort of their leader. But from there, you sort of got the party assembled. And narratively, everyone is journeying this sort of uh, apocalyptic landscape, trying to get the, to the next leg of this mission to uh, kill this to kill this Locust uh, commander. But the idea is that all your characters are in this convoy that they're all like traveling with the group and you have a barracks that's like limited in how large it can be. So you can only have so many people as part of your bench uh, at once. And that all implies like, you might be thinking, okay, I know how this works. No, you don't because here's the thing. Uh, there are not enough opportunities to get these characters XP for these characters to really level up as the game goes on. Like they, that's just not, that's just not going to be in the cards. The system only begins to make sense on higher difficulty levels when the odds of characters getting killed begins to increase and you will need to have more people rotating, uh, not rotating. Cause there's no one to rotate. Like somebody's rotating into the grave and somebody's being brought in to replace them. Right. Uh, but, but nevertheless, the system only makes sense once you start like racking up fatalities, but like on the lower difficulty levels, you just will have a group of characters you got early in the game. And then regularly the game will seed like new characters who are appropriately leveled for the stage of the game you are in. And so even if you got like another heavy on like this, like the second or third mission to complement the first one you get, 
chances are that heavy will sit out a couple missions, won't continue to level, but then the game will just gift you a higher level one later. Uh, With good equipment, too. Yeah. 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 And so what you will end up doing is if you ended up customizing some of your early troops, forget it. You'll shit can them. Uh, and you'll 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 move on because it is more effective for you to just like take the higher level ones, uh, give them different builds, and uh, sort of continue the game with the sort of fresh injections of talent that the game gives you. And what is a little bit frustrating about that is one, it continues again to sort of undercut that notion of being connected to your squad, connected to your forces. Uh, but I think the other thing that is a little bit unfortunate about that is a lot of times in the game, you'll be pretty free to, if you feel like a character isn't specced out quite correctly for the mission, you'll probably have somebody sitting on tap that you can just like, they will be a blank with, you know, eight, 10 skill points you can just assign and you can immediately create the sort of like, late game sniper that you need on demand who's different from Michaela. And what's frustrating there is the the way the characters are built and all the different like approaches you can take, it is occasionally really satisfying when you're trying to make those puzzle pieces fit together, right? When you're looking at them, they're four characters who were built kind of independently of each other. How can they get the most out of each other? What, how do I use this deployment, this squad effectively? And I would have that process of discovery when I realized like, oh, with this lineup, here's what I can do. And they can be really powerful and satisfying in this way that's not what I usually do. And I think if Gears created that moment more reliably, it'd be awesome. But the structure of the campaign doesn't give that moment a lot of like room to breathe or to arrive. I'm, I'm glad you're tapping into this point about roster, Rob, because I, I think there's a big clue that they, they struggled or maybe they focus tested this system and it changed over time in that. So there are these rescue missions that you go on right regularly where you'll actually start the mission with one or or just two characters in your roster and you have to go to point a free somebody from a literal torture chamber which i guess is a thing in the gears lore mm -hmm. and then that character joins your squad and finishes the mission with you and you go to find the final fourth character and do the same you know it, so these characters become part of your overall roster and, and it seems like this is maybe the original intent i think for how you go out into the world and get characters back and build out your roster. But as you're saying, in addition to that, you're just sort of gifted. I mean, they're completely unearned, like these characters that become available to you for quote unquote recruitment. And and it also strikes me that like that mission, that story mission where you, where Michaela joins her squad and you, you know, she drives this giant mining vehicle, whatever it is. I mean, that, that is like the closest thing to XCOM's base or, you know, XCOM's, you know, Sky Ranger or whatever, but there's there's no expression of that. There's no exploration of that. So I wonder if one point earlier in Gears' development, there was an intention to make that an upgradable part of the experience. You know, maybe you have to go out and get resources to to fill that in. But right as you're saying, I, I think I think just the broader point is that these characters are gifted to you, to you in a way that is so unearned. Um, they're not even introduced in any way. They're just randomly generated and sort of put at your disposal. Yeah, and I think. The thing that I often felt when I was playing Gears Tactics was Gears Tactics 2 is going to fucking roll. Like, because <laughs> I think that, because yes. I think there's a version of this game where it's like, okay, if I'm managing like my virtual Gears rifle company and 
<clears throat> I had like people get hurt and I'm going to be putting together kind of this uh, group that is going to be changing. And there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different flavors of like sniper or support that you can, you can get that will do different things. And occasionally you will just not have like the exact uh, lineup you want for the mission. Like I think like a game, a version of gears that forces you into that kind of like good friction with its design s- some way uh, would be, really really good i think when that friction occurs in this game it's really fucking good uh but i think too often the degree to which it just sort of clears the path for you to become like super empowered uh kind of works against that works against that and and undercuts it you want to talk about bosses real quick real quick i just wanted to reinforce Rob's point about yeah, yeah. Gears Tactics 2. I feel the same way. Our, our reviewer, Wes Fenland, kind of wrote the same in his review. I think the the fundamentals of, first of all, like this is a technically gorgeous game. It, it's one of the best from a, from a PC perspective. Like it runs on a huge suite of different hardware. It, it's gorgeous. You know, the, the settings menu, we just published an article today. Like this is one of the best graphics and settings menus we, we've seen, which sounds, you know, trivial, but for us as PC gamers and people who build PCs, like that matters a lot to us. And it shows the the good work that Microsoft is doing with all of its games um, to make sure they're technically sound experiences. But as you're saying, you know, with the layers of strategic depth missing, um, there are great opportunities here. And, you know, like, even from a story perspective, you could feel like they really pulled, they, they weren't sort of trotting out their, their best possible villain. It really reminds me of sort of the first Marvel movie in a trilogy, like the Iron Man, mm, first Iron Man. Like, yeah. can you name the, fir- the first villain in the Iron Man movie? What's his name? What did he do? You know, like, uh, he's just some, like, Stain, local. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Dang it. I don't even like those movies. He's, he's paid, but, played by uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Okay, that was good. But but he's like he's like a local threat, you know what yeah. I mean? He's, yeah, he's just sort of like he's like a D tier guy, um, and I feel like with with the sort of Saturday morning cartoon mad scientist villain that they roll out in this, you know, he at least has a, has a nice like visual design. Um, he's not exactly like the epic global threat that we expect from these kinds of games. Mm-hmm. So th- there's certainly it just leaves them with more headroom in terms of story and design. Certainly, as we're talking about that, I, I would be excited to see them continue. Yeah, the um, what I think is interesting about that too is that the kind of revelations because this is this is not it, it is a prequel to Gears of War one and is contemporary or actually might even be, still be a prequel to Gears of War Judgment. And what's interesting, just just to kind of piggyback off that, what's interesting from like a, a world lore perspective and that kind of local villain kind of vibe, which I think is really good too. I, I totally agree. What's interesting about that is kind of the big pillars of like revelation that we find out about like what's going on with with the locusts and all that kind of stuff. A lot of that stuff that is discovered over the three games of the trilogy is discovered in like the first two missions of this game. So like the the thing that human beings are being captured and turned into the locusts, that's like a big revelation in in the uh in the Gears of War games. And that's just kind of like right. casually tossed out there uh, in this game. It just, it, I think it's even, we're supposed to understand it. And so uh, it, what I like about that is it's like, yes, you get all the story assumptions that you're supposed to have, like for the Gears franchise total. Um, but we're going to give you like, you know, a set of tiered 
um, you know, gradually bigger encounters like your villains, like you're talking about. And that's kind of what the first Gears trilogy did too, right? It went from a general, you're just fighting a general to you're fighting a queen and kind of like a whole civilization to you're like fighting a civilization and a bunch of other people. So um, I I think if they kept up that kind of progression, I I definitely agree that there's um, a narrative stakes that get quite a bit better or more interesting probably. Uh, so let's get into the boss thing, uh, because this was probably the part I was least sure about heading into this game. Uh, and I'm curious how y'all have found the bosses, uh, and, and where they sort of fit into the story. Shot that brumac. <laughs> Shot it right in the butt. Well, they're certainly large. I think that's, that's the one thing they have in common. They big. Um, you know, like... I think in contrast to the other encounters, it's nice to have these big things on, on the, you know, the board, so to speak, that have, you have like 99% chance to hit from like wherever you're sitting in, in most cases. Um, but, you know, they follow the conventions we've played for, you know, the past several decades in games. You have, they have just real components. They have sort of stages in which, you know, you reach that next stage and they get a little bit more difficult or they throw out like an extra one missile per turn or whatever. Um but I think they broadly achieved their goal of getting me outside my, my comfort zone. The one that I had the most trouble with was the corpser. What? So the, Oh, interesting. So I, I, w- I want to hear what yours is. But just to explain it quickly, the corpser is is sort of like a arachnid-like creature that sits on kind of one side of, of the four-sided board and um, sort of lays down these kind of, you know, overwatch cones of melee attack each turn that are you know, deliberately targeting your enemies, uh, sorry, your soldiers, that you have to sort of jump out of. But of course, you know, doing that might have you stumble into an enemy, a normal enemy's Overwatch field of fire. Um, so I felt very confined. I mean, you know, I feel like that's one of the smaller play areas the game hands you in total throughout the campaign. That was probably the biggest constraint for me. In addition to that, there's like proximity mines that it throws down that you have to avoid. So it's just kind of the floor is lava all over the place. Interesting. So the um, the corpser didn't throw up any kind of problem for me at all, uh, which was like to the point I was surprised at how uh, smoothly it went. And I think it might have partly been because, again, I had specked out Michaela and Gabe in such a way that those two would just like pass actions back and forth. And so every time, like, I didn't need to worry about, yeah, the corpser is vulnerable to grenades, but I could just kind of, I didn't need to burn grenades uh, very often on, like, closing emergence holes because I was just gunning guys down so fast that, like, the crowd control was on complete lock. And so I was able to just kind of leisurely move around uh, the corpser's attacks. I had a completely different experience with the Brumac, uh, which was huh. a real tough fight for me. Uh, I had I, I, I had a real nasty time dealing with the um, the Brumac. And I think part of it was just because, like like an idiot, I had brought a scout on that mission, uh, and the scout sucks. Like the scout eventually like has a purpose. <clears throat> the scout is the shotgun class with enough experience points that that character becomes eventually good. Yeah. yeah. Uh but early on that thing has no business being in a boss fight. Uh you got a big you got a big old brumac uh like 
you know, stomping around being like, Rawr! and doing like several different area denial and AOE attacks. And I got a class of character that has to be standing literally next to somebody to shoot it. So they can be literally next to the, to the broom act to deal with it. Or they can walk up to like the emergence hole and get like a couple of the guys pouring out of it, but they can't like provide meaningful cover for any other person on the squad. So I basically ended up in a broom act fight that was like three on one. Uh, and then one uh, support that was like also present. Uh, it probably would have been easier if I had, <laughs> If, if I had, like, a real character class uh, at that stage in the game. But as it was, I ended up having to replay that battle quite a bit because, like, the nature of it is that the Brumac also has uh, sort of the, the twin machine gun thing where it's not a super devastating attack, but it fires every single turn. And so it just keeps chipping down your enemies, your, 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 your squaddies. And eventually, like, they will just go under uh under all that fire so you know i was i was probably overly focusing on trying to take out the brumax uh giant like fuel tanks and i really needed to knock out its machine guns and so it was like sort of a classic boss fight situation but tactics tacticsified where i just had to replay the battle a few times until i like realized okay here's the opportunities the pattern wants me to use yeah, it it was that kind of patterning. It took me a long time to get through the fight and not not in the sense of starting over or anything like that. It just took me a long time to do it. <laughs> um, and I, I literally, I was like outside with my wife and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go inside. I'm going to do this boss fight and I'll, I'll be right back. And I was gone for like probably an hour and a half. <laughs> and she eventually came inside and was like, what is going on? Nothing <laughs> good. No, nothing good. I was like, I'm just, I'm like sitting here slumped over my desk with like my chin in my hand. And it's literally because, you know, you get into a spot and you're like, all right, well, the way I got to do this, I got to clear the ads and then I got to get, you know, people on each side of the axis that like shoots through this thing's body. So I can like bounce it back and forth looking at people during each turn, but those people can't be too close. Otherwise, we'll come and stomp them. And like I that's really when like at the beginning of, of this, when I was like, yeah, I felt like I was going through the motions a lot of the time. The Brumac fight like solidified that I was like. I began the fight. It was really hard. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. There's a lot of cool stuff going on with exactly like you're saying, Evan, this idea that there's a big thing. And, you know, from other from action games all the way to D&D, right? You plop a big thing on the board and then you realize that its capability as far as like movement and things like that are multiple times what you can do. That is exciting just inherently. Um, but then to reduce it down to this kind of like very basic pattern system I found distressing. Um, but it might have been more interesting on a higher difficulty level too, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they certainly do more than making it a bullet sponge. Facing matters in the Brumac fight, you have to shoot it, its fuel tanks from behind. You know, I, I guess the the machine guns are carried in its hands, I think, and those can mm -hmm. be individually destroyed. Um, there are a couple other examples of this in the other boss fights. But yeah, as you're, as you're saying, it's... Um, you know, not the greatest strategic complexity there. You know, if you're, you want to get two people on either side of the board, you want to alternate fire because once you fire it, it sort of turns 180 degrees. You can shoot it from the other side. Once you figure that out, it's, it's pretty simple to manage. And because there's no time constraint, there's no other kind of um, force in, in play that's really putting pressure on you. You do feel, I think, a sense of leisure once you figure that out. 
Yeah, I think the boss fight would have been significantly better if instead of just dropping ads every two turns or whatever, merchants' holes or uh, dropping them uh, out of the sky, if instead of that we had a really tight timer, I think that would have been a more interesting boss battle. And I'm sure that they tried time things like that, and maybe they don't work, and maybe I'm just wrong. But I, I felt like if the if the goal of the fight is, is like really tight pattern mastery, then having some guide rails on that, I think would have been really, um, really, yeah. really cool. Evan, it sounded like you had something. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if it's it's the best connection here, but yeah. I think one of my one of my overall feelings about Gears Tactics, um, probably the single thing on my wish list in terms of like. The feeling or experience I want to have in this type of game is is the feeling of losing, but at what cost, you know, and that that is my favorite experience in XCOM. I think just I I got through by the skin of my teeth. I lost one of my favorite guys, but you know what? It was worth it. And, you know, I did lose some some generated characters, I guess, in certain missions, you know, maybe two or three across uh, 30 hours or whatever. But, um, you know, there's no injury system, right? There's, at least on the third difficulty level, if, if a character is injured, like, they can automatically join the next battle. Um, there's nothing like that in play to really... And likewise, like, missing out on resources isn't, isn't really a thing. Like, yes, there are pieces of equipment that you can pick up, and they're sort of optional. There is literally lying in battlefield and, you know, glowing cases that you can grab. But there's no sense of sort of winning and losing simultaneously. And as a result of that, it's the experience is really binary, um, you know, and, and it's mostly, it feels like another G.I. Joe episode where everybody comes home and goes back to base and kind of, you know, goes to the locker room and everything's fine. Um, and I just want a little bit more complexity there because, you know, Cam, maybe you can speak to this, but my impression, right, is this is a pretty, this universe, I haven't played the recent Gears games. I, I last played it in college in Gears 1 and 2 it's a gritty universe i mean it's mature characters die it seems like you know and and deal with loss and certainly like the loss of humanity and their civilization so i was a little disappointed that that wasn't a more prominent experience for me throughout the campaign um it's just something i expect in the style game and hopefully they can get a a little bit more brave in the future because I, i do understand that as we were talking about you know they are they are have they have to make this game for kind of two very distinct audiences for which this, you know, Gears players who have never played a tactics game and people who have never played Gears and have played every tactics game. And that's that's a challenge creatively. But um, it's just something I'd love to see more, that sense of loss. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think one thing I do want to say is that um, Occasionally, there's a really badass game here. Is is the thing? Like, and I think we touched on that, but yeah. I just want to tell a story real quick. Um, Cam, I sort of talked to you a little bit about this. I I was I was in one of my down phases with this game because I also have up and down phases with it. And I was in one of my down phases where I was like, this is starting to feel really rote. Um, and there, it turns out there's only so much ass one man can kick. Uh, you know, it, it sort of feeling very much like, uh, you know, Conan at the beginning of that movie. Um, but I was on a mission, one of the like control point missions, and where you have to take two the the two locations. And the twist with this one was I was only allowed to bring two characters, and I was like, 
Okay, well, these missions have been pretty easy. Like, usually what they had set up uh, to that point in the game were positions that could at the very least, like, loosely mutually reinforce each other. Like, somebody at, like, Site A would have a line of sight to help cover, like, Site B. Like, that was kind of how it had been set up. This mission wasn't like that at all. They were two completely exclusive uh, sites. One was, like, on this open low ground... And one was in the middle of this, like, really dense series of, like, bombed-out buildings. And it was a long walk between them. Uh, probably, like, a turn and a half of movement. Probably, like, you know, four or five a- movement actions to uh, transit from one site to the next. And it turned into a really, like, brutal fight to try to figure out how I was going to do this. Because what the game had trained me to do by that point was, well, take both at once and just get out of there as quickly as possible. Um, That wasn't really the case here. And I ended up with this kind of, uh, like, kind of rolling fight where I had to keep maneuvering my two uh, soldiers to sort of retake one site and hopefully clear enemies off the other one long enough for it to not get taken while they go do the retake and then sort of swing back uh, to the other one. Meanwhile, more and more powerful enemies keep arriving on the battlefield uh, throughout this whole thing, and I can't really control the pace that much because I just don't have... I do not have the firepower to either wipe out these groups, and I can't sustain leaving them out on the field uh long enough to you know to to sort of take their to take their shots and so it turned into a really good a really good battle um of like juggling enemy types and it also really drove home how interesting this game gets when you get away from the wide open like plazas where like your sniper is just god tier and like sort of has wide open lanes of fire or your support has uh your your heavy has like incredible like fields of fire and you start moving into really dense ruin environments where there's a lot of like sight lines but it's a little bit more shooter style right where it's like you can't really like tell at a glance okay so this person will be able to see this but not that you kind of spend a lot of time like looking around trying to like anticipate where to position people and how to deal with these really like carved up uh sight lines and and what like opportunities that's going to open for the enemy and it the mission itself was it was was really good it was a really good structure but i think the the other thing i sometimes feel that this game works against itself with a little bit is that i think it becomes a really different feeling and maybe more interesting game when it begins to move out of like open fields and into like tiny alleys and into and indoors, uh, basically like into like building ruins a little more. And I, it, the game's very shy about doing that. Like there's not a like I can I can name locations where it, it plays this game a little more, but for the most part, this is very much a game that is like, uh, well, you know, you very much like in a gears game, you approach the arena, you have a pretty commanding view of it, and you set your guys up to take command of it. Uh, when it begins to get away from that, I think it again becomes a more interesting tactics game. And it's something that I would like to see. I would like to see this game do more often. I certainly would hope to see the next one uh, do more often. Do we know if there are, I mean, have they announced DLC for this or 
like continued support or anything like that? I have not heard anything. Yeah, uh, I haven't either. No, not officially. Because I wonder, right, if that, you know, there's a universe in which, because what I think is uh, pretty cool about this is that the kind of cone-based Overwatch system is, is pretty good as far as like, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. being able to do corners and edge cases and things like that. And so, I mean, you could see, I could see a world in which they did like a small set of missions or whatever, right, that are closer to Chimera Squad a little bit in the sense of like indoor spaces, uh, you know, fast encounters, that kind of thing. Um, it, I'd be I'd be curious to see them do that, just because it seems like it feels like all the systems are there to allow it to happen, and you would just have to like pull out your mini gunners and things like that. Because right, you know, I don't think that'd work really well. Or a wave based scenario where things just escalate to an untenable level at some point after like I'm wave actually, ten, ten. Yeah, yeah, I'm really surprised that's not in the game. Like you know, that feels a horde mode feels like a gimme. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's times it feels like it, but yeah, it, it, it's sort of surprising it doesn't uh, lean to that more often. Um, so yeah, I think like as we sort of come to the end of this, like for me, I still really recommend this game. Like I like what it's serving up. Like I don't think it is. I like I like it has a lot of issues. I didn't even really get into. Um, I'll just say I'll just raise it here. This sure is a game that likes to have you like like slicing apart small differences in gearing uh you will spend a (laughs) lot of time parsing like what item specs you want to give your 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 gears uh and i don't think that's always time particularly well spent in the game like it's important you can't ignore it because there are certain itemizations you can give that will profoundly uh, empower your characters again like if you have a character that gets fed by crits putting the crit chance items on them will just like cause them to snowball uh, and that's you kind of can't afford to ignore that uh, likewise if you've got a character that you view as their role being to plunge in there with grenades you got to give them the um, really hideous uh Cam, do you know what the lore reference is? The yeah, the Uir regulator or whatever, the Weir Uir no. UIR. No. I mean, I'm sure in the midst of, of playing these games I could tell you, but uh one thing I, I can confidently say about Gears of War, when you are not playing those games, you're not thinking about them. <laughs> Union like, of Independent Republics. Yeah. Uh so that's like the Soviet Union. Oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, it's really hideous armor. Uh, it's like all their dudes look like melted candles. Um, in Gears, Gears 5, you go do a mission there, and then parts of Judgment have a character from there. Oh, wait. The Union might be what they were... No, because that's the cop. Yeah, I think that's the Soviet Union analog. Okay, but then they yeah, create sure. the Hammer of Dawn. Okay, I'm, now I'm in a wiki. I need to wrap this show. Uh, the point is, uh, I do not... Like, there's a lot of item specking that you do in this game that like i think some of that's fun i think the sheer amount of it like so much of this game is about giving you loot you do not need but also yeah. you need to identify which are like the half dozen builds that you really like are really useful in this game uh you, you kind of end up putting more time into that than you necessarily want uh but like while i have these issues i also do really like the I like leading my squad of, uh, you know, as my friend Bruno Diaz uh, put it, he, he said, 
I, you know, you're leading a squad of himbos uh, to victory. And, <laughs> you know, damn if I don't like that. Damn if I don't like setting up those turns where, like, you know, I feed my feed my troops an extra three or four actions apiece and they murder everyone. That feels cool to me. And after years of playing this style of game, like, of course, it feels great to have this, like, insanely long movement ability called bayonet charge that has a 101 percent chance to instantly kill a mid-tier enemy with you know no possibility of failure and you get to this awesome payoff payoff animation of you gotta lift lift, hoisting what must be like a 400 pound enemy into the air and you know impaled and throwing them down so you know just certainly from a, a visual perspective like name a more attractive you know tactics game I, I have trouble you know cer- certainly one that's squad based in this way mm-hmm. and it i think it also does feel like a bit of a and this is maybe the most gears thing of all sometimes i don't want to work as hard as uh xcom wants me to you know like i think another reason i like this was you know uh, yeah there's difficulty issues with this game sometimes it does get a little bit rote but on the other hand i do like that this was a game that seemed a little more interested in setting me up for the high five, right? Like that seemed a little more interested in being like, look, man, just see, see all these guys in this level. Just go, just go fuck them up, man. It'll be great. Uh, and it was, it was, um, it was <laughs> definitely more forgiving in a, in a pleasant way than a lot of, a lot of tactics games have, have chosen to go. Well, I think uh, that will do it for this week. We'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Uh, before we go, Cam, it's that time again. What's your good content? Uh, you can go to you can see me on Twitter at C Kunzelman, uh, and you can check out videos we make and other stuff. Uh, YouTube.com/slash Ranged Touch or Twitter.com/slash Ranged Touch. And uh, Evan, where can people uh, what what should people be checking out this week from you? Let's see. Uh, over on PC Gamer, yeah, we continue to cover Gears Tactics and the recent releases, XCOM. Um, you know, we're st- still kind of poking at Mountain Blade Bannerlord, but, you know, we're looking forward to the, I guess, what would have been E3 season. That's a big focus for us as um, everyone in the industry sort of decides how they're going to present their announcements. So I-, I guess just look forward to us covering uh, those activities for the coming month or two. All right. Uh, so this episode was produced by Keith Carberry. Throoms Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. If you want more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at ThroomsAhead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Finally, Throoms Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. That also has further information about our super secret Discord server where we occasionally talk about strategy games. Until uh, next week when we're back with another episode of Throoms Ahead, Uh, I'm Rob Zekney saying goodnight for Evan and Cam.